Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1707. Today we're going drag racing, but not just any drag racing, jet dragsters. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in Stamford, Connecticut with a very special lady by the name of Sarah Edwards. Sarah, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Let's hit 300. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is going to be a fast ride today, folks, because I am with a lady who knows how to go down the drag strip very, very fast. And I'm going to give you a proper introduction in a minute. But before I do, I ask all my guests this right out of the blocks. What's one little thing, Sarah, that most people may not know about you? Most people don't know that I am not a thrill seeker. (laughs) Um, Once you kind of get a gist of, you know, what I do, you're going to be probably dumbfounded by it, but I'm probably one of the most boring people um, <laughs> off the racetrack. Okay. First of all, I don't think you're a boring person at all. So we'll <laughs> dispel that little myth. However, not a thrill seeker. Well, that kind of makes sense because with what you do, there's no willy nilly going on here. You don't just jump in these things and go down the track at 300 miles an hour. There's a lot of thought. There's a massive amount of preparation and care given to this so that you get to the end of your run in a safe way, but the fastest way possible. So let me give you a brief introduction and we're going to dive into this very fast life you live. Sarah Edwards is a racer who for nearly a decade has been part of the NHRA drag racing scene. She began bracket racing with her family in the sportsman's rank prior to racing professionally, driving Al Hanna's iconic Queen of Diamonds 2, a 300-mile-per-hour jet dragster. That's right. Sarah holds numerous track records, earned the Jet Wars title for three consecutive years, and was featured on Drag Illustrated's 30 Under 30 list. Her passion for drag racing radiates both on and off the quarter mile, which you're about to find out about here on Cars Yeah. You may have seen Sarah on television when she was featured on the Discovery Channel's hit reality show Toy Makers with David Ankin. And you regular listeners will remember David is a past guest here on Cars Yeah. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Sarah and learn about this fast-paced life she's created for herself. But first, a word from our valued sponsors that make the show possible. So better keep your seatbelts on. The Christmas tree is about to go green. We'll be right back. Did you know that Covercraft offers you much, much more than just car covers, floor mats, seat covers, and trunk liners? When you visit Covercraft.com, you'll find Cologne Custom Bras, LeBra Front End Covers, and hood protectors that protect your vehicle's front end during road trips. No more rock chips or hours removing nasty bug jerky from the grill or your paint. You'll find vehicle seatback organizers that keep everything in check. They're perfect for those kids' things in the back seat. Spidey gear webs that keep the cargo in your truck bed safely in place. Seat heaters, cargo bars, pro nets, 
rooftop carriers, and pet travel barriers that keep Fido in the back seat where he belongs. They even make tire covers for winter storage or summer storage of your tires. And don't forget their dash mat dashboard covers that shield the sun's damaging rays and their sunscreens, one of my personal favorites. Their pet protection pads are easy to install. They remove and are washable. They protect your floors, seats from Fido's damaging claws and messy fur and hair. Everything at Covercraft is carefully engineered and, of course, always quality made. And I've got a great deal for you. If you use the code YAW, 120 at Covercraft.com, you get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YAH120, Y-E-A-H-120 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I found a new way to protect my vehicle. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collectibles of automobilia and automotive collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool automotive collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting us automotive enthusiasts since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for a quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love. I did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car and collectible insurance designed by collectors for collectors, just like you and me. All right, Sarah, uh, we're back. We're ready to go. I'm so excited to have you here on the show. And before we rock and roll here, I'd love for you to share a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has some meaning for you and the seriousness that you take what you do for a living. It's a nice way to get the uh, rear tires smoking and talk about smoke. That's something you know how to do. So Sarah, take the wheel. Um, I would say one thing that always kind of sticks out in my mind is, well, actually there's two things. It could always be worse and you can always do better. Mm. So I kind of take the gist of the two of them. So if I'm having a really bad day or things aren't working out, I sit back and think, well, it could be worse. And then at the same time, when I'm working towards something and, you know, in it, knee deep a thousand percent it's because i know i can always do better and be better yeah well boy what a nice saying for this year because this year has sure thrown some curves at everybody in so many ways and it's easy to sit down and and get pretty disgruntled about not going to events not being able to do racing not being able to see your friends and as we're recording this more lockdowns are coming and it's so easy to get caught up in the negativity but you're right there's always a moment where you can say you know what things could be a whole lot worse i'm doing okay i've got a roof over my head i've got food in my refrigerator and you know i hopefully everybody listening out there doesn't have family members that have been uh, desperately affected by this covid thing so when it comes to racing how do you take that quote and apply it to your racing career because the kind of racing you do is a whole lot of preparation and a very short period of time of excitement, and then it's over. So how do you apply that to your racing career? Yeah, the, the execution is definitely a lot smaller than the preparation. 
But with the always do better, it's not always so much in the car as much as it is outside of the car when mm-hmm. you're working on trying to hit a sponsorship or you're working with marketing partners and tracks to secure events, stuff like that. So all around when I was with Hannah Motorsports from 2016, 2017, 2018, I had always kind of carried it on my shoulders that I could do better, not only as a driver in the car, but off track and behind the scenes and growing their program and our program at the time. Um, As far as it could always be worse, there are some days where you go out there and you don't cut the best light or you've lost a round because of that. And that's truly only the reflection of the driver at that point if you have a bad light. So there are some days where you've lost a run and it could be on you, but you think to yourself, it's just a run. It could always be worse. We're all in one. The car is still together. There's no parts broken. We can get up and do it again the next day. So I kind of always have that in the back of my head when I'm racing that I try to do things and execute as safely as possible and obviously always trying to do your 100% best. But there's some times where it just doesn't shine at 100%. You're at 90%. But as long as you can walk away and you have your mind and your body and you're fully functioning, Everything else can be rebuilt or fixed or worked on and improved to go out the next time around. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this year with all the challenges this year has thrown at us. How has the year been for you? How have you worked around, used this uh, this certain situation we're in, maybe even to your advantage? I've talked to so many people that have been so creative in the way they've adjusted to all the restrictions this year. Lots of racers on the show this year who haven't been able to race or their racing has had to change or they've done different kinds of racing, even simulated racing and so forth. So how have you worked? worked around what's happened here in 2020. Thank goodness it's almost over. Let's hope it doesn't continue into the new year. Hopefully we can leave all of this uh, in 2020, right? We don't want it in 2021. But I have to say for us as a family, I feel as though our home never changed. We're very like, you know, we wake up, we go to work, whether it was doomed for a period of time working or being able to go back out into our fields. Cause I don't, I don't work in the automotive field Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. So I work for an interior designer and it's clearly two different worlds, but everything has really fallen into place for me this year because of COVID and not having racing not, not, not that it's not on my mind, but not in the forefront because you know you can't really get to events and right. do things. Yeah. I've been able to focus more on work, and my job has exploded over COVID. We really? Just, we're one of the industries that is just soaring through the roof right now. Wow. So it's actually all fallen into place really well for me where I'm super busy at work, working super late, and just in the thick of it with that. And I don't have to worry about my racing, you know, life suffering because of COVID. We can't do too much. You know, we opted this year to not put the time and money into the car knowing we can't run it. There wasn't much for us to do this year. So for us in 2020, even though I'm like so sad, I'm not at a track this year or at events or out with friends and people a lot of other people aren't either. It's not just me sitting home, you know, on the sidelines. 
And with work being so busy, it's really kind of been a great balance and distraction from all the things that I'm so used to doing. I'm so used to being gone every weekend and traveling and at a racetrack and hugging and, and, you know, doing all these things with friends and fans and family and not being able to do that, but being so busy at work has been a great distraction. So again, we just kind of keep it real, but we keep it positive. And thankfully, I'm in a situation where I can wake up and go to work every day and I love my job. So it just keeps me totally keeps me distracted. Well, it's really interesting how some industries have benefited from this in, in an odd way. Uh, working in interior design, is that you think it's because people are now at home and also they may be looking forward saying, you know what, my office says I can just work from home forevermore. I, bo- I know my kids, some of them are kind of in that way. They're in a position where they said, you know what, we don't have to go into work ever again. They've just said, you just work at home. You go live everywhere, anywhere you want. And I did that earlier this year. I work at home and I finally decided my studio here, I was going to make it nice. I mean, I'm here all day long, seven days a week. Right. So I redid <laughs> and I spent some money and redid some things, redecorated, you know, I had a custom desk made and new carpeting and paint and all this stuff. And it's just, if I'm going to be here all day, I want it to be nice and I want it to be mine. I want to be comfortable. I want it to feel good. And now with more Zoom, you want the background to look good. So you don't want people looking over your shoulder going man what a pigsty they live in so and that and that's exactly it that's a hundred percent and i'm in lower um connecticut we're 45 minutes north of new york city so we have a lot of people who live here but would commute into the city and now with that commute gone they're home and they're zooming and they're skyping and working and they're stuck in their homes for three meals a you know a day yeah, and yeah. looking around and saying you know what now's the time we're going to renovate our kitchen or like you we're going to renovate our office or make a home office they might have never had one before right and then also with the huge rush of covid and people leaving new york city earlier on in the pandemic we got all those people. We were just going through at work yesterday. We've had 4,000 address changes within like three towns oh my you know, surrounding us. Wow. So we've been hit with people who are A, staying home and realizing that they're ready to renovate or they need a home office or they fled New York City and they've gone from a thousand square foot apartment with like, you know, their Ikea furniture that they got when they were <laughs> married to now they're 4,000 square foot home with no furniture and two kids. And they're doing the whole move into the suburbs thing, the big house, the two car family now, and wow. the dog. <laughs> yeah. <And> dog. <laughs> yeah, it's changing dynamics so, for a lot of people. It's yeah, amazing. So we're really, really fortunate that we've been able, we're one of the industries that is basically soaring at this point, especially for where we live and being so close to New York City that we are considered like the suburbs for that. Because people can still hop on a train and go in if and when, you know, things go back to normal. But a lot of people around us are thinking that they, you know, they may never go back to the city just because they've gotten so comfortable with being home or not needing to be in that office environment. So right now is a very interesting time for my 
my weekday job. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this this car, the type of racing you do. Tell my listeners more about this because most of us think of dragsters. You know, I, I remember as a kid going to the drag races. My dad would take me there. We'd see funny cars. We'd see rails. Uh, you know, back when I was little, they were just starting to put like Don Garlis starting to put engines in the back versus in front of you. And I just thought it was so much fun and it's evolved a lot. But you're driving something a little different, aren't you? Yeah, so um, for three years, from 2016, 17, and 18, I drove for Hannah Motorsports. They're one of the leading, you know, exhibition jet teams in the racing industry. Um, Al Hannah's been drag racing for over 55 years, so I was with the best of the best when it comes to knowledge, expertise, insight, all that. When I was driving for Al, the Queen of Diamonds to 300-mile-an-hour jet dragster, the jet car that I was driving was unique. There was no other car out there in the world built and designed like mine. I was not in a traditional dragster. I was in a, in a dragster where I sat to one side and then on my other side, I had um, a pod. So I was not in a conventional dragster with everything behind me. I was actually off to the side and that design was to allow for better airflow into the jet engine. And we were running GE J85 jet engines out of FI fighter planes. They're timed out, retired, can't fly anymore. So that was the engine that was powering me. Mm -hmm. But my car was unique where I sat in a pod to the side to allow for better airflow. So when you looked at it, it really caught your eye and was super intriguing because of the design alone. It just wasn't your typical dragster. Yeah, I'll put a picture of this vehicle she's talking about, this crazy dragster with a huge flame coming out of the back on her show notes page on the Cars <laughs> website. You can take a look because when I first got it, I went, wait a minute, what's going on here? What is that thing on the side? What's happening? So now I understand what you're up against. Man, this thing's crazy looking. Exactly. Yeah, so in the pod over on my other side was actually where my fuel was, and that was what helped balance the weight of myself on one side, and then I had the fuel on the other side. And we carried about 16 gallons of kerosene as we go down the quarter mile. So do you use up all 16 gallons in, in how many seconds? For the most part. In how, yeah, how many seconds? Part, we use a lot of fuel um, in the beginning. If you've ever been to a drag race and seen a jet car at an exhibition. In the warm-up and the starting phase. Yeah, there's a huge show that we put on, and that's to lighten the load, get some fuel out, but it's also awesome for the fans. I remember when I was a little girl sitting in the stands, like I loved when the jet cars came out. Yeah. Because it felt like if you were in the bleachers by the starting line, it felt like your eyebrows were going to singe off. Like, <laughs> and I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Um, and then when I had gotten, you know, asked to be their driver, it was in the late fall. And when I started testing and learning how to drive the car with them, I was so psyched because as a kid, I remember how, like, it was so hot how you felt the heat. And I'm like, okay, right. well, if I'm going to start, you know, late October, early November, it's going to be really warm. It's not in the cockpit, <laughs> thank God. All the heat is behind you yeah. and out there for everybody else. But a lot of that fuel does get used when you're doing your smoke show, doing your burner pops, the starting line. And then, you know, the rest of the fuel is burned as you go down the quarter mile in under five and a half seconds. Oh, my at, gosh. Wow. You know, close to 300 miles an hour. Man, uh, hard to imagine. It's so cool. And uh, obviously, if we can improve things with this whole situation next year, you'll be out there running. Uh, if, if next year everything goes great as planned, how many races do you think you'll be doing next year? 
I'm not sure. So I'm retired from driving the jet car. I still have my bracket car here at home. And that um, the plan was, you know, pre-COVID, the, the, the goal was to get back out there this year with the funding and all that and recertifications and get back out there and just bracket race. And then COVID kind of came. We weren't sure what to make of it, where to go with it. And we just kind of let all that stuff just kind of slip away. Mm-hmm. But we're also in no rush. We know we can do it again next year. So next year, I would love to be back out on the track at events, either driving, spectating, through media, anything. You know, at the end of the day, I'm still, even though I'm a professional driver, I'm still still a fan like I'm still that little girl inside of me I'm still (laughs) captivated by my by the environment of being at the drag races and last year 2019 I had the opportunity to do a lot of different things even though I wasn't driving I got to go out with the Capital Sports Report as their photographer and stand up against the wall with the jet car or with the nitro cars going down the track at Mm -hmm. Maple Grove's national event. So anything that puts me back at the track and in that atmosphere, I'm just happier than can be. I just put my sneakers on. I walk around all day. I bop in and out of pits and, and, you know, get to catch up with people. And I'm just happy being there. So whatever, (laughs) however I can get there, you know, obviously driving is is something I really love, but just being able to be out at a track, I'm a happy camper. It is a fun place to be. Well, I always ask my guests about a big challenge they faced in their career, their life, whatever that might be, but the lesson here that you learned from it is the important part. What did it teach you? So take us on a little bit of a journey here, maybe a rough ride that you had, and then tell us how that experience helped you move forward in a positive way. So when I graduated high school, the deal was I had to graduate high school first before I could go to Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School. So I graduated in June of 2010, and in that July, I went out to Reading, Pennsylvania, Maple Grove Raceway, and I got to attend Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School. I had never sat in a dragster before. I don't come from a racing family. Like, this is something that I've totally brought upon all of us. So I, I didn't do junior dragsters. I had no prior experience. So I went to the course and Frank Hawley, I mean, he's the best of the best. He's taught all the pros, et cetera. And I was just so new to everything. And I'll never forget being in the class, it's a two-day course, and the first day, you know, they don't just throw you in a car and send you down the track. It's it's very like methodical and you can you do a burnout and then they review it. And so I would, you know, do the burnout. Okay, fine. You can go to the next level. You go maybe, I think it was like 300 feet, shut it off. If you did that right, you, you know, move on and so forth. So for whatever reason, I just wasn't advancing the first day. So we get to the second day and I'm kind of making progress, but I'm still behind and they give you six runs. So you have three on the first day, three on the next day, and you need five out of the six to get your license. And I was there because I wanted my license. Like I was in a class with a bunch of older men who they were there for fun. They were there for their bucket list. It was an anniversary present, whichever, but I was there really, you know, I wanted to become an NHRA drag racer. So I'll never forget Frank Hawley telling my dad that, nope, it's not going to happen today. She's, oh, no. She's, no, no, not going to happen. She's not like, you know, progressing and whatever. I, I don't think so. And I remember being like, I'm not leaving here without my license. Like, this is my dream. This is, 
what I've worked for, like, you know, as best as you can, because obviously drag racing isn't a sport, you you know, like football that you can go practice in your backyard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, there's no way. And I'll, I'll just never forget them saying that to me and the determination that it was like, no, like I, I'll, I ended up staying. I made three extra laps. It was the end of July. They were hot laughing me. So I didn't even get out of the car. My dad said my eyeballs were sweating, if that's even possible. <laughs> and then ultimately I was able, I, I executed everything I needed to do in order to get my license. Yeah. And that was just a roller coaster of emotions. But, you know, in a sense, it was almost a fit. It, it, it was a little bit of a failure. And when I go into schools and I talk to kids, a lot of the time I go in, and I don't tell them to become a drag racer. It's more the my story and my journey. And we talk about failure. And I and I always say, like, look, failure is what builds you. It's what makes you. And just kind of own it. And mm-hmm. I would like to think I own a lot of my failures and things that have gone wrong because ultimately they just teach you so much. So right. not only was Frank Hawley's drag racing an incredible experience, even though it was hard, I still take that away as being one of my best experiences in life. Yep. And then even going forward, again, not being a drag racing family, we had purchased a dragster, started going bracket racing at Aco Dragway in New Jersey. You know, we knew nobody knew nothing about it. We're just totally trying to figure it out with people who live 10 minutes from the track. We live three hours from the track. And every weekend, you know, I never want to race drag racing. But I gave it my all. We went out there and each run we learned, but we learned with failures. We learned when things broke. We learned when things went wrong. We learned when the delay box wasn't programmed right and somebody came over and said, hey, why don't you try this or that? So I, I, I'm i a huge advocate for failure. Um, obviously, people don't like it and they don't enjoy it when they're going through it. But when you're when you are through it and out of it, it just teaches you so much and just builds so much in you for the next step and kind of prepares you. So that's kind of my take on failure. (laughs) You only fail if you stop trying. Absolutely. Well, let's take a break. We'll thank our sponsors. We come back. We're going to dive into this passion you have for drag racing and cars. So sit tight and we'll be right back. Let's step away from the conversation and talk about our charity of choice here at Cars Yeah, America's Automotive Trust. America's Automotive Trust is a group of like-minded nonprofits that are working together to preserve and promote car culture across the country. Together, they provide scholarships and grants to aspiring technicians and restoration artists. They provide youth education programs and bring communities together through auto-related events, car shows, and drives. Among these nonprofits is TechForce Foundation, a great organization dedicated to solving the technician shortage that threatens the transportation industry today. By providing career development resources and increasing awareness and enthusiasm for the tech profession, TechForce is bringing bright young students into the auto, diesel, aviation, marine, motorcycle, motorsports, and restoration worlds. To date, they've awarded more than $10 million in scholarships and grants to tech students. And in times like these, I don't have to tell you how essential those techs are, keeping our delivery and emergency vehicles running and keeping America rolling. To learn more about TechForce or to make a donation to this cause, visit www.techforce.org. You'll be glad you did. What do you do after running a race team for 27 years with over 100 professional wins, multiple wins at the 24-hour of Daytona, 
and a win at Le Mans? Well, if you're Kevin Buckler, a racer and the racing group's team owner, you create Adobe Road Winery. Located in Petaluma, California, he and his team have created a winning combination with the Racing Series, four ultra-premium red wine blends that are in a class of their own. Like racing, these wines comprise of art, precision, engineering, science, and a whole lot of fun. You can choose from four blends titled Redline, Apex, Shift, and the 24. Today I'm going to tell you about Redline. It's a rich and complex blend delivering a taste of ripe blackberries, black cherry licorice, and a hint of toasty oak. An added very cool option is that this features the world's first interactive wine label. That's right. When you pour the wine, the three-dimensional tachometer actually hits the red line. It's incredible. The Racing Series is a killer gift for the automotive enthusiast in your life, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code CARSYEAH, all one word in all caps, when you go to checkout, you'll get $10 off any purchase of wines from the Racing Series. The wine ships promptly and arrives quickly right at your door. Use the code CARSYEAH checkout for $10 off of your purchase today. There's always a seat at the table for excellence with the Racing Series. Go to adoberoadwines.com and use the code CARSYA to save $10 today. Cheers! All right, we are back, Sarah. I'd love for you to share a story, that pivotal moment in your life when you realized, I think I want to go drag racing. I mean, coming from a family that wasn't into this, what caused this passion you have for going down the track really fast? A little uh, ad on the radio is what started all of this. So, um, again, we're in southern Connecticut, obviously New Jersey, somewhat of a hop, skip, and a jump away. And my dad was out one day in the summer. He's an appliance technician, so he's on the road all day. And he heard on the radio an ad for Raceway Park's Night of Thrills event. And I was about 12 at the time, and I never went to camp. I always spent my summers home and hung out with the kids in the neighborhood. So he came home, and he told my mom, and he's like, hey, you want to take Sarah down to Raceway Park? Now, my dad, when he was dating my mom way back in the day, they used to go to Raceway Park. He mm. had he was working for a paving company at the time. He'd run a dump truck, but it was nothing competitive. It was totally fun. It was, you know, unfortunately, Raceway Park is no longer, but back in back in the day, in the 80s, it was kind of the place to go, I guess. So she's like, sure, why not? We'll take the boys next door because I had neighbors that were like brothers to me growing up. I'm an only child. And uh, we went out to Raceway Park and it was the Night of Thrills event, which on a Wednesday night, it's a variety show. You get a little bit of monster trucks, you get a little bit of jet cars, you get BMX bikes, you get motocross, dinosaurs with fire coming out of them, and robosaurus <laughs> and jet trucks. And I just remember being so captivated by the entire thing, the sights, the sounds, the smells. Everything and anything that crossed your mind, it was like you needed to go back. You craved and wanted more. And what really sealed the deal for me that night was watching the Queen of Diamonds go down the track. It was the original car. I was in the second car, but the original traditional set dragster. And, you know, and they get on the loudspeaker and say, Tracy Harris, you know, went 300 miles an hour and she beat the beast from the east. And, and as you and most people listening know that, Anytime you do go to a drag race, it's all access, right? There's hardly anything off limits. So 
you can bop in and out of the pit and you can meet drivers. You could see them working on their cars and stuff. And I just remember meeting her that night and seeing that she was this young blonde. And I'm like, I can do this. Like, I want to do this one day. How cool is that? Yeah. And because as a family, we had such a great time, it kind of became an annual tradition. We went back each year, um, brought different friends and family along the way. And from the thrill show that grew and we decided to go to summer nationals at raceway park. And then we decided to go to the national event at Maple Grove. And I remember trying, you know, this is obviously before social media and stuff. And I remember trying to find anything I could learn about like Ashley Forrest or the John Forrest. And then, you know, just more information on the jet cars and stuff like that. So the interest just kept building and building and we kept going to events. And finally, my parents were at Maple Grove in Reading, Pennsylvania. And they're like, would you ever want to come back? And I'm like, this is really cool. But honestly, it's it's a traveling circus. They pack up. It's the same thing from one track to the next. I was Mm -hmm. like, honestly, if I come back here, I really want to be driving. Like, I don't know that that's possible and what I will be driving. But like, I want to drive. I don't want to stress it anymore. So it was kind of cool that it. So many things for me have come full circle where, you know, Maple Grove was the last place I saw a national event and said I wouldn't come back unless I was driving. And that just so happened to be where I got my license for Frank Hall. He's based out of Gainesville, Florida, comes up the Northeast in the summer months, you know, to different tracks. And for me, it was Raceway Park. That was where he was at. I'm sorry, Maple Grove. So that was cool. And then, you know, being that little girl at 12 years old who fell in love with drag racing from watching the queen of diamonds to getting the facebook message asking if i would be interested in driving that car i've had a lot of really surreal full circle moments yeah absolutely well what was the first special vehicle in your life um you know when i was like teeny tiny i had this barbie jeep (laughs) now that's a unique answer to that question i cruised in that so that was probably, and that was way before even being brought to the racetrack, but I always loved that. And my dad said I would, you know, go through the, the gate in the backyard with an inch to spare on each side. And, <laughs> and he always teased me that some days I drive, I used to drive better then than I do now. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, so that was fun. But other than that, like, you know, I, I drove my dad's pickup truck in high school and then I got a Jeep. And that I actually just got rid of. It was 10 years old. So I'm pretty, uh, I guess, select. Like, you know, I'm pretty quiet with what I drive every day and just know what to have fun with on the track. There you go. Well, if you were a vehicle, Sarah, if you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? Ah, something pretty with a lot of attitude, probably. Pretty (laughs) with a lot of attitude. Okay. A lot of horses. Hour under my hood. Yeah. I, I I love the challengers. We actually have a thirteen twenty. So I think yeah, anything along those okay. lines. I'm not I'm not too uh too picky. Well, I will say a challenger. That that'll work. <laughs> I think that works yeah. great. All right, we're entering the last lap. In your case, the last run, since we're going down mm-hmm. a drag strip versus a track. I'm going to fire off some questions, get some very quick blips sure. of that challenger throttle from you. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes in life? Not giving up. I'm very stubborn and like not that I like to get my way, but like I'm very adamant on getting to something I have stuck in my head. Perfect. Very driven. How about if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry or racing industry, living or deceased, who would it be? 
I think it would have to be like Ashley Forrest because I grew up idolizing her. Mm. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Now, when it comes to mm-hmm. automotive advice or racing advice, what's the best advice someone else ever offered you? Listen to what everybody has to say and then take that advice and apply it how you feel fit Mm. because everybody has an answer, but you have to ultimately figure it out on your own. Be a good listener and then a better applier. Now, when it comes to resources, there's so many great resources for us these days. Is there a go-to for you you might want to share? Nowadays, I'd have to say it's Instagram. Um, I think it's a great way to learn more about people that you're interested in and connect with them. Okay. What's your Instagram page? Sarah Edwards Racing. Cool. I'll put a link to that on on Sarah's show notes page. All right. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read this year that you think others should read? The most recent was Dale Earnhardt's book that I read. And I thought it was pretty interesting about his journey with concussions and and going out on his own terms and stuff like that. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. And now you're talking about Dale Earnhardt Sr. or Jr.? Junior, sorry. Junior, okay. Just wanted to make sure yeah. I had uh, Dale <laughs> Earnhardt Sr.'s daughter as a guest here on Cars, yeah. So any of you missed my oh, talk with her. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. She's a great lady. Runs uh, Earnhardt Racing, so. Yeah, is that Kelly? Yep, Kelly. Yeah, great, yep. great show. So Very now cool. you and Kelly are Cars, yeah, alumni. So there you go. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Good company here. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Sarah. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you a very cool car today. Could be anything you'd like. Something fun, though. I want you to enjoy it and drive it. No garage queens or dust collectors allowed. But you can't sell it to fund your racing next year. It's got to be a keeper. It's got to tick all the boxes. And it's the only one cool collector vehicle you can have. So what am I going to buy Sarah Edwards today? Does a top fuel dragster count? <laughs> you, can have anything, you can have anything you want. So I guess I'm buying a then dragster. That's what I want. <laughs> a top fuel one. Nitro. Oh, gosh. Nitro drag. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, okay. I think you're the first one to ask for that, but that's okay. I can do that for you. I wouldn't, <laughs> uh, wouldn't expect anything less from a lady like you who likes to drive very fast down the track. A top fuel nitro dragster. You're in a, a very uh, rare company here. So there you go. Yeah, that would be pretty darn cool. It would be. So I get you the right one. You have a special color theme you'd like that thing to be? Black and yellow. Black and yellow. Okay. Bumblebee. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, we can do that. Anything you want. Sarah, you've taken me on a nice run today. I thought this would be fun, fast, and furious. Thanks for sharing your journey with us. Before I let you go, though, and you take off down the track in that top fuel nitro dragster, would you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before the lights go green? Absolutely. And that's just to never give up and to always, always tell your story. Always tell people what you want to do. It doesn't matter how crazy it is. It doesn't matter if you want to go 300 miles an hour or you want to go to the moon or how simple it may be. You should always share your story because you never know who's listening and you never know who knows somebody that can help you achieve that. Ah, Great advice. I love it. What's the best way for people to keep up with you, Sarah? Yeah, everybody could follow me on Facebook. It's Sarah Edwards Racing, as well as Instagram, Sarah Edwards Racing, and Twitter, all the same. And then my website, sarahedwardsracing.com. You can learn a little bit more about me. There you go. I'll make sure to put links to this on Sarah's show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Edwards, 
and her page will pop right up. I encourage you to follow this lady. Uh, it's going to be a fast ride, though, so you better hang on. Put the seatbelts on. <laughs> Who knows where she's going to be going next year, but we know she's going to be having fun in that top fuel nitro dragster I'm buying for her. So uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I'll get to work on that right away. Uh, you can find everything on Sarah's. Thank you. Yeah, well, you're welcome. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Mike Lanier, thank you for connecting us on that show that we met on, one of his uh, Facebook yep. shows, which was pretty fun. I got to meet a lot of very cool people, including that Sarah. That was huge. Yeah. There was a lot of people there. Holy yeah, that cow. was awesome. Yeah, that was a long night. It felt, like, it felt like being at SEMA, but virtually with all your friends. Well, that's kind of what he was doing there. So I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. And I got to meet some very cool people and see some old friends that have been guests here, Lewis and Terry and all this, Mike and all sorts of yep. great people that have been on the show. And, and David. David, David was yep, on there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we had some fun. Sarah, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your exciting life with us. Till you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Sounds great. Thank you. You're welcome. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!